you have your Bible with you, open it up to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to talk about faith again today. When I was in uh, seventh grade, there was a, a girl in my class that I thought was just all that. You know, I thought she was great. And I know this is going to shock some of you, but I was not the smooth guy that I am now <laughs> in seventh why are you rolling your eyes? I don't. <laughs> she kind of hung out in our group, and and uh, and I kind of never talked to her. I mean, just you know, cursory things. I thought she liked my best friend. I think probably the the the, the closest I came to really striking up any kind of. I mean, we we just general chat, but I remember she had a locker, just about five or six lockers down from mine, and one day she was at her locker and was getting ready to head to class. We actually had the same class next, right after that hour, and, and as she went to go out, she grabbed her gym clothes, and she was, had a bag, and her socks fell out of her, out of her bag, and she didn't notice it, and I scooped up those socks. I still have them to this day. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> That would really be creepy, wouldn't it? That would really be weird. No, I took him down to class and gave him to her. And I, you know, about a month, two months before school was to end, she announced to our group that she was, uh, that her, folk, her dad had taken a job in another state and she was moving. Well, back when I was in seventh grade, when a kid moved, they kind of disappeared into another world. You didn't have Snapchat or Facebook or Twitter or any other social media stuff to stay in touch with them. They're just gone. And you may never see them again the rest of your life. They're just disappeared. And so she was going. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what to think about that. You know, you're in seventh grade, so what do you, you know, what do you do? And the last day of school came, the very last day of school, and her, her dad had already moved, and her mom was just waiting. She was going to pick her up at school and pick her. I think she had a brother going to pick him up, and they were, they were leaving, gone. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, we all stood outside Grant Middle School that day saying goodbye for the summer, and everybody taking off, and, and she was waiting for her mom to pick her up, and they were moving to this other state, and and uh, she went around to all the girls in the group and kind of hugged them, and they were all crying, you know, because she's now disappearing into another world. And she said goodbye to the guys, and finally she, I, I didn't even expect her to say goodbye to me. She came and stood right in front of me, and she looked at me. <clears throat> I'm not choked up over this, really. <laughs> But it really fits good, doesn't it? Fits good. <laughs> she looks at me, and she says to me, she says, uh, I thought you were the nicest boy in all the school. And I remember her turning and walking away and me standing there going, what, 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 what? Why? You know, this, the, the lesson today is about relationships and how we miss sometimes 
you know, the important, the single most important relationship. I missed a, a little seventh grade relationship. Somebody, some people miss the greatest relationship. I don't want you to miss that one. Amen? Let's stand again. Let's look in our Bibles at Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith, verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, therefore, he was taken, uh, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals so much to us. We're so grateful for your love, your mercy, and your kindness that you extend to us. And today, Father, we pray that by faith we would enter into a relationship with you that you intend for us to have, that we wouldn't miss it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Think about what this scripture says. It talks about us drawing near, drawing near to God. Whenever you think about a statement like that, you have to realize the implication of the statement. The implication of the statement is even though God is present, even though God is with us always, even though he knows everything about us, that there's an aspect of us being able to come into his presence that takes an intentionality on our part and that if we don't do it, we can miss something that we're supposed to have. That's the underlying implication here. And I'm afraid that many people don't have that kind of a relationship, that close, intimate relationship with God. He's, he's more of an abstract character in our lives. We know facts about him. He's in heaven or he's, you know, omnipresent. He's, here, he's everywhere. He's all-knowing. He created us. We'll be judged by him someday. We're all sinners. And he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins. But past that, he's kind of like a famous person. Kind of like somebody that everybody knows about, but we don't know them. You know, kind of like you think about the basketball playoffs are on right now. Those of you who follow it, LeBron. Most of us would know who LeBron is. He's a basketball player. 
Went straight to the pros out of high school. He was in Cleveland and then went to Miami and then he's back in Cleveland. Known as the best basketball player in the league, the world today. He's playing in the finals for the umpteenth time. And if you pay enough money, you can go and see him in person play. And you may want him to win and you may want him to lose, but that's about it. We don't know much more. He's that abstract. He's kind of a famous person. And that's where God is with some people. He's kind of this famous entity that we've heard about. We know about. We know we should have a relationship with him. With a famous God, you may know things he wants you to do, and you may know other things he doesn't want you to do, but that you know, kind of sums it up. So here's the question. How much does God really impact you? How much has he really been allowed to form who you are, to speak into your life, to help you in time of need, to be a personal influence in your life? Is there a heartbeat for God? Is there a passion about this relationship with God? Is there a connection? Have you begun to seek him in a way where you've gone past knowing about him, you've drawn near to him. See, faith changes this aspect of just knowing about God. It changes that. Faith draws us into a relationship with God. When we see who he is, we know who he is, and we know he loves us, it, it draws us to become personal with God. To not just know about him, but to seek him to know us. Faith brings us to a place where God, listen, has an active part in our lives. And that's what I want to ask you about today. Does God have an active part in your life? An active part in your everyday dealings with life, with your everyday actions in life. I, I, I mean... You know, you think about most famous people, and they don't care how we act or what we do or where we go, and we know that, and we do our own thing. But God does care about how we act and what we do, and he wants us to learn how to be a people who walk in the fullness of life with him and with others. And the question is, do we allow him to have that influence in our life? Do we allow him to move in our lives? We're not just observing him, but he's a part of who our life is about and what our life is about. He's not just observing our decision, judging them, but listen, we're allowing him to speak to the issues and the decisions of our life. Do you allow God to speak to the issues of your life? Are you listening for his voice in your life? Is he just a distant figure or not even, not even a distance. Do we, do we try to emulate him? Does he become a daily influence in our lives? Is he present? Do you sense him in your life? Do you sense him moving in your spirit? I, you know, I left this, this, this whole thing in the notes here today for you to, in, in discussions tonight, to talk about this. What kind of a daily influence, what kind of a daily voice does God have in your life? 
Are you drawing near to him? This passage that we just read today says that to please God, for God to be happy with us, which again implies that we cannot please God. That to please God, we have to know that he exists. But then it pushes past that. It doesn't stop there, that we just know that he exists. But that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Not just casually seek, but those who are diligent in this effort. They put time and thought into it. It it becomes this effort that they go through life, that they want to know God's will for today and for tomorrow. They want to know how God would have them to act. They want to be formed in the image God created them to be formed in. They want to overcome the issues of life with the hope and the peace and the promises of God ruling in their life. They don't want to be formed by the circumstances of the world. They want to be formed by the promises of God. Are we diligently seeking? Now, let's really be clear. We're not talking about just any God. We're not talking about, you know, any kind of way that you kind of figure out who God is and, you know, you kind of figure this out on your own and and you kind of come up with, well, I believe God's like this or God's like that. No, 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 no. No, we're talking about the God of the Bible. We're talking about a God who's revealed himself to us in a very clear way through what we call Scripture. This that we're reading here today is from the book of Hebrews or the book to the Jewish people revealing Jesus to them. This book ties the God of the Jewish people, the Old Testament, the God of Cain and the God of Enoch and the God of Abraham and the God of David to Jesus in the New Testament. And it's revealing to us that all of these things that are written from the book of Genesis until the end of Revelation is a revealing work of God to us so that we can seek him and know him through his word and find strength in him so that we can know that Jesus came and went to the cross for us so we can put our faith in him and so that we can know the way of godliness. This is not a God we discover that man has created. We believe in in God, the creator, who has revealed himself to us, and as we seek him, we can discover more about him. We can get to know him. We can learn to walk in faith with him and obey him and discover his way for life and that when we do, this great creator rewards us with the fullness of life. This is a personal and daily work in our lives. This is God with us. God involved with us. God walking with us every day. God doing things in our life. Not an abstract character, not even a character we're just going to simply go and stand before someday for judgment, but a creator who wants to walk with you, who wants to strengthen you and guide you and direct you and be involved in your life. Now just... If you think about that and you look in the Word, 
you discover that there are certain things that God tells us that when we seek him and know him, he does in our life. That's very practical in our life. Did you know that the Bible tells us that in his presence is the fullness of joy? Think about that. That when you get to know God and you walk in his presence and you invite his presence into your life and you seek his presence in your life, that this is where the fullness of joy is found. It's not found in all the stuff of this world, but the fullness of joy, all the temporary stuff is temporary, but the fullness of joy is found in the presence of God. That no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're facing in life, if you'll go get in the presence of God, you'll find his ever-strengthening joy moving in your life. The Word tells us that if we ask him, he gives wisdom to those who ask for it. Wisdom is properly applying knowledge. So when we ask for it, when we come to him, we need to know how to raise our kids or we need to know what to do next in our life that there isn't a black and white answer to in the Scripture. We need wisdom for this action. We come to God and he says if we'll listen, if we'll seek him, if we'll ask him, if we'll believe in faith that he'll give it to us, he will give us wisdom. This is a daily relationship. This is the intimacy of God. He tells us in his scripture that if we will rejoice in him and we'll bring our prayers and our needs to him, that he will guard our hearts with peace. That even, maybe even especially in troubled times, in hurting times that we have a place to go where somebody isn't just going to pat us on the back and say, well, we hope you get through this or others have gotten through this, but where God, when we come and bring our needs to him, that he becomes very personal in our life and all of a sudden we find the peace of God in our life and he sets up a guard in our heart so that instead of walking in worry or walking in despair or walking in brokenness, in the middle of trouble, we can walk in peace because we know God and we know the plans he has for us. He tells us, Jesus specifically says it, that the Holy Spirit comes to lead us into all truth so we can know what life's about. We can understand. We can not only know it, but we will sense right and wrong. That one of the things that God does in our life is give us a sense of right and wrong. And in his presence, no matter how much the culture may push us one way, no matter how much our world or our fleshly desires may push us one way, that he will lead us. He will lead us. His presence will lead us into all truth. And, and here's, here's a big one. <laughs> his presence makes our spirit become whole. 
If you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about this a little bit, talking about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium. Our spirits are the essence of who we are. And that the first thing that happens when we sense God's Spirit move upon us and we by faith put our trust in Jesus is He does a work within us where we are reborn. Now let me explain this to you real as simply as I can today. Death means separation. That's all it means. It means separation. When you die, your spirit goes to stand before God, separated from this flesh. We are in a state of death. Our spirits are not connected with God. That's what sin has caused. And when we put our faith in Jesus, when we hear God speak to us and we put our faith in Jesus, we are reborn. What does that mean? We are reconnected to the Spirit of God. And the life that was in us, the spirit that was in us, that it was dead and was being ruled by the nature of the flesh is suddenly now reconnected with the very will of God. And we are what the Bible says, born again. And the Bible says, Jesus says, that until you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see how, we're, how you're supposed to live in the kingdom of God, the, why the kingdom of God works the way it is. You see the world through the prejudices of, of race and through the fleshly desires of greed and selfishness. We see the world in this confusing thing of the selfish individual. But the second we, begin, we come into Christ, we become reconnected, and He moves to begin to heal us of those things, and we begin to see people differently. We see ourselves differently. We begin to walk with a different nature in our being. He begins to challenge us and flow out into us so that we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. That is what the Spirit does. And then He says, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of that the Spirit is within us. The evidence that His presence is with us is we begin to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. You begin to grow in love. Oh, I love it. You begin to grow in joy instead of being an old grouchy guy. You begin to grow in joy. You begin to grow in peace and patience. Your patience grows. You become more faithful and gentle kind. The Spirit of God changes us. These are just a few of the things that being in a relationship with God, that drawing near to God, that being, making God separate from an abstract famous person to a friend, to someone involved in our life, to a personal presence in our life. This is just some of the things that God does. And when I look at these things that God does in, in, in life, and as I begin to experience them more and more in my life, I find myself asking myself, well, who wouldn't want this? 
Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want all this stuff that God offers and brings into our life? Who wouldn't find joy a good thing? Who wouldn't find wisdom a good thing? Who wouldn't find peace in the middle of trouble a good thing? Who wouldn't want what God offers? Now, I'm telling you, that, that's not offered through religion. You don't get that just by showing up once a week and going through some religious uh, formula. It's not a life about knowing about God and understanding some things about God. It is a faith-centered life that reminds me that he rewards those who seek him, who pursue him. One of the things that I, I find so wonderful is that by faith, our identity is, is found and formed in God the Creator. See, here's the deal. We are the creation of God meant to experience His love and show His glory. Now, let me just say that again. You and me. We are the creation of God. He created us. We are meant to experience His love and we are meant to show His glory. And what is His glory? Is it, you know, do we like the commercial, do we shine, you know, do we have a glow about us? No. No, the glory of God is his wisdom. His wisdom begins to flow through us. Look, the glory of God is shown in his power. His power begins to move in our life. The glory of God is, is revealed in his beauty. And all these things shine for us. Purpose by the way we live, we show these things by the way we live our lives. This is what we were meant to be. And our true identity is found in being the creation of God. Identity, how we see ourselves is interesting. Some people, you know, uh, you say, well, you know, what are, well, I'm a teenager. Well, good for you. I'm a senior adult, retired. Good, good for you. I'm a student. I'm single. I'm married. I'm a parent, I'm a businessman, I'm a lawyer, I'm a computer programmer, I'm an athlete. How do you see yourself? How do you define who you are? Beware, because most of us see ourselves in some temporary way. Talk to many, many people, and they'll say to me, I'll say, well, I used to be, I used to be a wife. But my husband's gone. I used to be a husband, but my wife's gone. I used to be a businessman, but now I, I'm, I'm out of that. I, I used to be something. And, it, and if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you move to the next positive thing that you can someday used to be. And our, our identity is made up in these temporary things. So we ask ourselves, what am I now? But sometimes, friends, it doesn't get there. Sometimes the, the ending of something is so devastating that we long for the past. We look and think, I wish I could go back to being that high school athlete again. 
I wish I could go back to being that businessman again or that teacher again or that leader in that way again. I wish I could go back to when my wife was alive or my husband was alive. or I, used to, I wish I'd go back to be a, a mom again and the kids be back in the home. But it's gone. It's not coming back. And we're empty and we, we're empty in the presence, in the present. When we have to lay down our identity because of circumstances and our health, our age, our ability. If it's wrapped up in the things we do, if it's wrapped up in the circumstances of life, then when the day comes that that thing comes to an end, we're lost. We're confused. But I want to tell you, that's not the case in God. When you understand who you are in God, when you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, then you understand a little bit more about the journey of life and the places God puts you in life. See, here's the bottom line. We are his servants. We are here to show his glory. And I find life in doing that as a parent. And when my kids grow up and they leave the home, I am still a servant of God. I am still here to show his glory. I am still here to do his work. And instead of my life being a life full of used to be's, my life is revealed in the I am's. I am a servant of God. I am his child. I am walking in relationship with him. I will do that for now, and I will do that for eternity. Listen, right now, I am the pastor of Calvary, Ch Calvary Church, but that is not my identity. My identity is this. I am a servant of the Most High God, created for His glory, to walk in His love, His purpose, and His presence. And I will be that on this earth and in eternity, and nothing, no one can rob me of that place now and forever. By faith, friends, that's what you are. You are a servant of the Most High God. You are walking through this stage of life, whatever it is. You're walking through these circumstances of life, whatever they are, good, bad, indifferent, glorious, troublesome, whatever they are, you are there to do one thing, to experience the love of God and to show the glory of God. And when you understand that about your life, it allows you to take each moment and grab it by faith in the fullness and say, I, I, don't, I may not like these circumstances I'm in right now, but I know I'm still here for a purpose, and I'm going to do this with the fullness of God's blessing upon my life. When in faith you step into that place, you see life's troubles and challenges and all life's victories and opportunities in a new light. He is guiding your steps for a purpose. Now, how do we get to, into this relationship with God? How does it go past him being famous to him being our friend? Well, let me give you, for some of you who are new to this, and some of you, this will be really old stuff, but let me, somebody who's a new Christian, 
If you want to begin to walk in relationship with God, you've got to begin to talk to God all the time. I mean, you just have to be aware he's there. We call this prayer. And there are times when in life and you've got troubles and you've got issues going on and you've got questions going on that you need to go get along with God. I would tell you it's wise to set a time every day to get along with God. But through life, he's not absent just because you've left the house. He's with you. We can learn to talk to God. Now, if you really want to learn how to do this in a, in a healthy way, Jesus taught us how to pray. He gave us kind of the opening teaching on prayer. And there's many prayers in the Bible we can learn from. But here, here's what you do. You go to Matthew chapter 6, and he teaches us how to pray. He tells us that one of the first things that we do by faith is we give honor to God and who he is. In our prayer time, we come before God and we go, you are the great and awesome God. You're the creator. And whatever revelation of who God is to you and who is hope, you begin to, you begin to thank him for being that God. And you invite him to be a presence in your life. God, you're so great, and I know you love me, and I want to know you, and I want to walk in you. And, and the second thing he teaches in is this, this. Now, when you're praying, pray for his will to be done and not your will. Don't get too s centered on just trying to use God to get what you want. Begin to come into this relationship with God and say, God, I'd, not my will on this. May, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever your will is for me on earth, God, that's what I want. That's what I want. And then he gives us this wonderful opportunity to present our needs to him, to tell him, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what, my heart's broken right now. I'm needing a new job right now. I don't know what to do about these circumstances. God, would you meet my needs? And you begin to talk to God about your needs. And then he tells us that we should forgive others like he's forgiven us. And we come before God, here's where I'm bitter, here's where I'm angry, here's where I'm upset, here's where somebody's harming. God, I'm asking you to forgive, to help me forgive them. Help me to forgive them as you've forgiven me. And then we pray, God, give me a pure heart that is freed from the temptations of this world. You know the temptations, Father, for, that my flesh have. Free me from them. Deliver me from temptation. And deliver me from the enemy. We're going to talk more about this next Sunday. Deliver me from an enemy who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that as you learn to talk to God, you're going to learn to hear from God. You're going to begin to see God moving in those very ways in your life. And so he lays this very simple way for us to start and learn how to talk to God so we can hear God and see him move in our life. Now, the second thing you do if you really want to enter into a relationship with God is you begin to study his word. You begin to understand that God's word, what God would say to you, is clearly found in his word that he's revealed to us. And so we take this, this is why we challenge you all the time. Read 
the Word daily. You don't have to read for two hours. Set up a, if you don't, if, set up a systematic plan for you to read the Bible. If you don't know how to do that, talk in your small group about it. Come talk to one of the pastors about it. We'll help you begin to read the Bible. Now, here's where I'd tell you to start. If, if you aren't, aren't a Bible, don't, don't go to Genesis and start. It's not like reading, when you read the Bible, it's not like reading other books. You've got to understand. Here's where I would tell you. Go to John. Go to the book of John and just begin to study about what the Bible says about Jesus. Because the, see, the, the central key one of faith you've got to put your faith in is Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. Begin to study about him and just begin to read it. Just say, okay, I'm going to take this month, I'm going to read, you know, two chapters a day or three chapters a day, and I'm going to think about what it says. I'm going to ask God to reveal it to me. Now, here's some other simple things. If you've not been to Starting Point that you hear us talk about every week, go. Go to Starting Point. If you've been to Starting Point, you go, I don't remember anything they said. Go back. Go back. These are four basic steps you need to know in your life to, to grow in the will of God and to grow in relationship with God. And we cover them every week, and you can go into that anytime and just kind of pick them up and learn them until you just kind of got them down. Now, here's the third thing. Be faithful to church. You know what they tell us? When I was a little kid growing up, they told us, the statistics told us that people miss church on Sunday maybe two times a year, Christians. You know what they tell us now? They say the typical Christian misses being in the house of God on a Sunday morning three months out of the year. Traveling here and there, going here. That's why I tell you, if you're traveling, go to church someplace. Why? You want to hear the Word of God. The person who wants to be in relationship with God wants to hear the Word of God. Listen, when I go, when I travel, I, I, I always go to church. Sometimes I walk out of church and I am blessed. Sometimes I walk out and I'm praying for that church. But I've done what I can do. Renee and I were in one church one, one, one Sunday, and it, it, it was okay. It was, it, was, it was nothing evil about it. And we're driving down the street, and we pass this other church, and there are people everywhere. And we look at each other and say, man, and we're on vacation. We're like, they got it going on there. She goes, what do you think? I said, you want to go to church? She says, yeah, we go into church. And it was It was glorious. It was glorious that the pastor had a word from God that day that strengthened my soul, built my faith. Listen, you don't want to miss a day. So I tell you, if you miss here, get online and listen. That may be the day God's got an answer for you. And the enemy has set up all the circumstances in your life to keep you from being there. You're running your kids here and there, and God would say to you, hey, the answer's in my house. Get them in my house. Maybe that's the week that God's going to move in their life. And, and then, you know, we talk about equip and being here on Wednesday night. We're studying, you know, there's the, the truth projects going on, which will help you understand culture today, how to have a, how to have a devotional life and really have a, a personal life with Christ is going on back in the Welcome Center. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit in our life here in the auditorium. We're trying to do things every week that'll help you grow in God. I want to encourage you, if you're serious about God, 
Be serious about him. Get in the word. Be serious about the word. Number three, if you want to grow in personal relationship with God, you've got to have time with believers. This is great. Every Sunday we need to take advantage of this. Don't rush in and rush out. Come spend a little, get, get here early. Hang out and talk to people. Build relationship with people. And, and ultimately, get involved in a small group. Get involved in a small group. Wherever two or more are gathered in his name, there he, there he is. Now, he's everywhere. We know he's every place. But he reveals himself as believers begin to talk together and pray together. And, and finally, very practical. So we're telling you, his, begin to pray. Be serious about his word. Get in fellowship. And learn to worship him. And I'm not talking about you know, learning how to sing all the right. I'm talking about having a heart of worship who recognizes the greatness of God wherever you go and you see him in all your blessings of life, that he is a giver of every good and perfect gift and you learn to thank him. Think about this for a moment, friend. So, you know, your parents arrange a marriage for you and you, you enter into this marriage and uh, it's with, uh, you know, it's with someone who lives 10,000 miles away. You never talk to them. You're never touched by them. You never sense them. You, you just went some, you just go someplace once a week and somebody tells you about them and that's your marriage. Once a week somebody says, yeah, your wife, she's like this and she's like that. Or your husband, he's like this or he, what kind of a marriage is that? That wouldn't be a good marriage, would it? But this is how some people know God. And when people tell me Christianity's boring, I just look at them and go, that, you don't know God, man. You know church. You don't know God. You know religion. You don't know Jesus. You know about things. You don't know who he is. Because when you come to know him, he's not boring. He's not dull. He's not rigid. He's not empty. He's full of life. It's not how, that's not how it's supposed to be. By faith we see God and he reveals himself to us. We discover the Son who died for us and the Holy Spirit who dwells with us. And our relationship with God becomes the most important aspect of who we are. Let me say that again. Our relationship with God becomes the single defining most important aspect of who we are. Not because somebody told us it should be that way, but because we have met him, we know him, we have sought him, and we walk in him. We were created by him and live in him, and he made that possible by sending his son, Jesus, to rescue us from our emptiness. When we seek him, we find him. When we seek him with all of our hearts, and he rewards those who seek him. This requires faith in him. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, I hope in some way today that we have encouraged our brothers and our sisters, our friends here, Father, to be people who seek you. 
People who draw, use the efforts of their life to draw near to you, to pursue you and to know you. And that, Father, we've given them just a touch of things they can begin to do, they can talk about in their small groups tonight about how to do that. And, Father, many of us are already doing those things. Lord, we want the fruit of your Spirit in our life. We need your wisdom and your joy. Father, we need your peace. And so, Lord, let us see the great reward that there is there for us as we seek you. Father, I'm so grateful for your love and your patience and your kindness. I'm so grateful that you're right there pursuing us and calling us to pursue you. Now let us be a people, Father, who take our walk with you with seriousness and diligence to diligently pursue you. In Jesus' name. As every head remains bowed, every eye closed for a moment, prayer teams, would you come down to the front? In just a moment, we're going to open these altars for you if you have any need in your life. And this is just one of the ways you pursue God. You come down, you let somebody pray with you. If you have a need in your life, you have a hurt in your life, you have a direction you're needing in life, we join together, we pray about that, and we believe God to move in your life. Don't miss that opportunity. But today, if you're standing here, if you're standing here, you say, Pastor, I, 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 need to, I, I need to step into a relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to be reconnected with God. If that's you, just take this moment right now. And just, here's what I'm asking you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Because we believe that prayer changes things. And we believe that acknowledgement of your need changes things between you and God. If you'll say, I need that new relationship with Christ, will you raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now in this moment. Yeah, God bless you. Others today, you'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. Looking across this room. Anyone else today? Any others? I want this. I want a new, fresh relationship with God. Hallelujah. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I put my trust in Jesus to be my Savior. I put my trust in Jesus to be my Lord. Now help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to challenge you to pursue God this week. Diligently pursue him. Grow in relationship with him. Be aware that he's with you everywhere you go. These next few minutes, we're going to sing a song. If you have any need in your life, you come on down. If you raise your hand, I want to encourage you to come down and, and pray with somebody. But whatever need you have, you come down and let somebody pray with you. And then, Dan and them will dismiss you. We love you. God loves you. Don't wake up someday and realize it's too late. Amen? He's standing there ready for a relationship with you.
He thinks you're great. He sees your future. And he wants to bless you. God bless you today.